For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the show. I'm Jeff C. And I'm Grace Duffy. And on today's show, we are excited to explore Facebook-sponsored post options for groups, lead gen forms rolling out to YouTube, and some new Twitter features. There was not really a giant news story, but we had a lot of really tiny, but I think very but, impactful news stories this week. Wouldn't you agree, Jeff? Yeah, like, they're real, I think they're really interesting, and it's kind of the whole gamut of the social platform. So uh, if we haven't hit your favorite one, stick around because that's going to be happening uh, because there is some interesting things when you really dived in deep with it. So when we talk about this first one, Groups sometimes to me on Facebook, it's not like completed compared to like pages and some of the stuff we have. And so luckily some of the things are rolling out that I think are going to be excited for, especially you group admins or if you have your own group, this stuff is going to be really, really cool. So talk about this a little bit, Grace. Now, Jeff, when you say completed, do you mean monetized? Monetized. (laughs) But some of the features don't feel like they're, you know, you you don't see like all the stats and it's different, like when Mm -hmm. you're sharing a video and it's just it doesn't seem as robust as what we have for pages. So, but this news is, I think, uh, one of the things that can help a little bit with that. So break that down. Yeah, I definitely think that the focus has been, I think, since at least 2018, when that was their big impetus was to create meaningful communities, meaningful interactions. And a big part of that was the emphasis on groups, which is where we see a lot of that community. Right. And as we may recall, during the Super Bowl, they had a huge ad rollout, like a television ad buy uh, promoting groups. So, you know, groups are going to be a big deal. We've been talking about this for months. And this last week, we discovered that Facebook is continuing to emphasize their groups, as well as providing more opportunities for businesses within these highly engaged communities. So we already can run ads and offer paid subscriptions within groups. So those are two ways that group member or group moderators, group admins can monetize their groups. But this past week, we learned that Facebook is now rolling out a sponsored post option for groups. So this is another potential path for creating revenue within these groups. Mm -hmm. Now, admins will have a clear process into how to leverage their reach within the groups and work directly with brands and sponsors. And this also, on the flip side, gives brands a direct line into a highly engaged, focused audience. So I know, Jeff, we talk about your love of Jeeps, right? So if you're in a Jeep group... That's right. And you were Jeep, the brand, would you not want to build a sponsorship? Assuming that it was this giant interactive... Right, right. Right. So this is an extension of Facebook's already existing branded content tools, which, of course, you see that when you uh, are going through the feed, you'll see a lot of content that's published with that says in partnership or on behalf of the brand. And it'll include a, a paid partnership tag. So there will be transparency that these are not they will appear as if they were organic posts, but they are very clearly labeled. As of right now, this is only open to public groups with over a thousand members, which 
I know what's in the local groups that I'm in. We hit that really right, pretty fast. Yeah. The good groups <laughs> seem to be that way. And you have yeah. to adhere to Facebook's like monetization equality standards. You know, you can't break the platform rules and it's only in certain eligible countries. So that is the news. Yeah. So I think that's really exciting for, you know, a lot of people like Jen Cole here says she goes, you know, groups are so awesome. Yeah. And one of the things that when we were talking about groups and uh, some of the features, uh, Bruce says, uh, yeah, groups are kind of the forgotten stepchild of Facebook. And it feels that way. But I think so with some of the things and, and actually one more uh, little thing that I think broke like right before the show that Grace found, we're going to we're going to share with you about groups. That's pretty cool. So I agree. The sponsorship, I think, you know, we don't want to see. I know as a you know a group owner, and I'm I'm in a lot of groups. I don't want to see a ton of ads, and so part of me is like, uh, you know, having this. But if you're a big brand, like you mentioned Jeep, and you can go into like a Jeep van enthusiast or a Jeep, you know, the new Gladiator or whatever, uh, you know, and go in there and advertise a certain, you know, maybe new feature or come and you know do a test drive or whatever it is, uh, that would be helpful for the group. I think the the line for brands and marketers is going to be how can this, you know, promoted post be helpful for those groups? Because if it's just going to be spammy, then it's, you know, it's going to kind of degrade the quality of the group is what I think. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, this is all initiated by the group admins, right? So it's definitely up to the group admins and we hope that they are responsible and ethical stewards of their group. And, but we've seen some amazing groups like Jeff and I have a a mutual friend, Abby Alter. She Mm -hmm. runs Plano Moms, the Plano Moms group here in, in you Dallas. Know, yeah. Dallas. Yep. And it is a fantastic, fully engaged, highly moderated, very good, very resourceful page. And, right. you know, having an opportunity like this to talk about local businesses or local things, it, it helps each other, right? It helps the people in the group and it and it's an opportunity for these local businesses to definitely you know, cash in on this, like in this group of like highly engaged, highly interested, motivated people. Yeah. So, so there's some questions in the comments about how, do you know, is it rolling out now? Is it, you know, what is, did you find out like a timeline when it's coming on? I know if you start seeing a sponsored post inside of groups, that means it's inside of your group and they're able to do that. But do you know when it's rolling out? Is it active now? What, what did you find out? In that I article? believe it's active now, but okay. again, it's only public groups and it's only groups of a certain level, right? right? So a thousand members. So there is some limitation, but I think it is part of a regular ad buy. Yeah. So and other thing, it has to, it only works if it's in an eligible country. And I think if you go to Facebook help or search, they'll tell you those countries that you're able to do that with, because all it said in the kind of the news release that it's in a eligible country, which I don't know what the whole list of is for that, but uh, I'm sure we can find that and probably drop that down in the links. So that's just one of the things, but you found this new group saying like, we, we were in the green room talking and you just found it and we're like, okay, let's break it. So why don't you talk about this uh, another, to me, this is almost more important for group owners than being able to do sponsored posts. So talk about yeah, that. Absolutely. Well, this is something that's being tested with a small group of Facebook groups. Yeah. So Facebook is now testing post level analytics for groups. They're adding this new feature for groups and it will provide more context as to how many people are engaging with each of your group updates. So there's a quote from Facebook here. It says with post level metrics, admins will easily see the reach of the post by the unique number of people who've seen the post, as well as engagement by reactions, comments, shares, clicks. And each post will show the number of active members 
at the time of the post and also key drivers for reach and engagement. So again, it's a lot of those metrics that you already see when you look at a post, right? So right. you can see how many comments, you can see how many shares, you can see how many uh, reactions there are. But these metrics, it's, it's all in a dashboard. And it also tells you just the key drive, like how many pics, how many people viewed the photo you linked, right? That's, how that's many great. people were engaged in the group at the very moment that you posted this, right? And it also has key drivers, again, Ruth reach and engagement. So uh, we are told that this is initially being tested by a small number of groups and it's all on device and it will be on all devices and it will officially be rolling out in the next couple months. Uh, this is a story we found in uh, social media today. So if you want to go see screenshot yeah. what exactly this looks like, uh, you can take a look there. Yeah. And so this to me is very exciting because um, it helps, you know, especially some of these bigger groups, you know, it helps you figure out what content is actually performing and what your members really like. And, you know, instead of just basing it on how many comments you have, you actually have some metrics, which I think has been sorely lacking in groups. Uh, if you're an administrator and, you know, you're wanting to really kind of take your groups and maximize the value there. One of the things that wasn't said that I'm really, that I really want is I know, so we have the society, we have the social media marketing society where it's our own paid kind of group. And we put tons of content in there and something like this will really help our manager Ali figure this out. One of the things that wasn't mentioned was video because we can't really, we're having to do like when we do a video that's exclusively inside that group is like take a screenshot to see how many viewers are because you can't tell like if you post on a page like how many live viewers you have, what you know, your, your metrics on all the video, it's just not there. So I'm crossing my fingers that that's going to roll out right behind this because that would be super important. I think so. I mean, this is just in the testing phase right now. So if you guys have it or you've seen this at the New York right. groups, please let us know. Yeah. And like, let us know how you will use those metrics to like, you know, change your content strategy or how you'll like, you know, go inside of your group and interact with members. I mean, the more analytics I always say, the better. So very, very cool. Some more Facebook news right on the, the right behind all of this is so Facebook has uh, removed some rarely used targeting options. And so what does that mean? So Facebook is removing over 1000 ad targeting options that are what they're calling rarely used. And they're trying to simplify many topic options that were either too granular or too closely replicated in other targeting categories. So what that means, like they're combining several options representing like military bases or regiments because they just weren't being used. And instead, advertisers can still reach an audience with an interest in like military. They're also removing multicultural affinity segments and encouraging advertisers to use other targeting options such as language or culture to reach people that are interested in cultural content. They're also streamlining duplicative options by removing things like Key West. So that's a, you know, a search term Key West, which mimics Key West, Florida, which still is going to be maintained. So it's like they're streamlining things. So what Facebook actually said, they said, as part of our latest efforts to simplify and streamline our targeting options, uh, we've identified cases where advertisers of all sizes and industries rarely use uh, targeting options. So that's why they're doing that. And back in 2018, remember, Facebook deleted more than 5,000 ad targeting categories in order to stop potential uh, discriminatory targeting and the exclusion of certain audiences. This, if you remember, I, I even think we did a 
back in the day, yeah. a story about this because this really affected realtors because that was the market that was really getting kind of brought to everybody's attention. So yeah, so it was actually happened uh, last March because that's when they did the new rules around audience targeting relating specifically to housing, employment, and credit ads to prevent discrimination. So the thing is, these changes will not impact the vast majority of advertisers and most targeting options remain available, except for the ones we just said, you know, that it will impact. So it's still very granular. You still be it's still going to be able to target a lot of things. So you just may have to get a little bit more creative in thinking around some of those ones that we mentioned earlier. So Facebook really went out of their way to say the impact in this case should be uh, minimal. But anyway, that's kind of the the breakdown on that. So you know, why are these being discontinued? I think it's probably to head off problems beforehand because the article in social media today talked about they're probably, one, they're not seeing much use, which they stated, but they also may have seen some future concerns because, you know, if you can exclude people, then you can use that maybe in a bad way. So that's probably why they're cutting them. So, but for most of us, it's not going to be a big impact, but we thought it was important enough in case you were in those specific industries that you should know about it. I love when they say it's not going to impact the advertisers, except for the ones it's going to impact. Right, right exactly. So. <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it's hardly going to affect anybody, but if it's you, it's going to affect you. Yeah, kind of. Well, right. I mean, this is just a good reminder that if you've got uh, these audiences built, you should probably go in and make sure that those tags are exactly right. So if you have Key West, make sure you tag the Key West, Florida. Right. And um, yeah, so the I think these aren't rolling out. So this is this does impact. I mean, but this is part of the growing pains when you have such an intricate. Right. And, if you, and from what I read in there, if you are going in and you, you do try to uh, target those specific things, they're going to guide you to what you need to be targeting. It's not going to it's not just going to all of a sudden not work. They're going to say, hey, well, you should do this kind of a thing. There have help steps to, to walk you through it. Right. Absolutely. OK, so moving on to YouTube, we have uh, the big news this week is that Google is now extending these lead gen ads to YouTube and then discovery campaigns. Mm-hmm. So Google has been testing these lead gen form ad extensions in search campaigns. So if you haven't seen them, basically it's when there is a video ad. I'll take YouTube as an example. So when there's that video ad at the beginning of the video you want to watch, uh, let's say that there's a Jeep ad. We'll talk about that since that was the example YouTube gave us. And then as you're watching it, this form will pop up and say, hey, are you interested in doing a test drive? And it'll connect you to your local dealer and you put in your name, your phone number, email, however you want to be contacted. And then in the example that YouTube showed, uh, you can put in, when would you like to schedule your test drive? Right. And you actually put in a date and time. And then your local Jeep dealer then gets that information, knows how to contact you, knows you want to get in it, knows when you want to do your test drive. And there you go. So, you know, you can use this in a variety of ways. That's simply the example that YouTube right. gave. So in addition, they said, so in addition to all the basic information, like email, name, phone number, postal code, you can also add your business contact information. So company name, business title, work email uh, to differentiate from that. So if you're looking to target certain companies or certain brands, if you're selling courses or you're selling ad products, right? Right. Like you're selling your own uh, consulting services, this is a way to do that. So right now they said that this is now available to advertisers in certain verticals, certain sub-verticals. 
They also warn that engagement from these lead forms won't be attributed to actions users will subsequently take on your site. So it doesn't uh, mess up with your own Google Analytics on your right. on the site side. It's basically housed within itself. And then, you know, you can all these leads can be downloaded in a CSV form or you can use a webhook to, you know, automate the lead how you want to how you want to automate through, through your funnel, right? Um, and these are all solutions that are aimed at small businesses in particular to capture and act on more of their leads and be more dynamic. And this is all tied into your video ad campaigns that you can run on YouTube. Yeah. And so I think that is super cool, because, especially the whole, like, you want to schedule a, a test drive because, yeah. I, and I, I think it's really important for marketers to think about, okay, how can I use this? Because, one of the things I think will be like, I don't want to have to call somebody and say, hey, who do I need to talk to to schedule a test drive? If I can do it all in an app, I mean, that's a big deal. So think about how you could use that in your business, like, you know, a, a floral company or, you know, a restaurant. I mean, they're really making this for small businesses. And I think it's a really, really cool step. And the ability to download those leads afterwards and uh, do stuff with that in your, uh, you know, your customer management software or whatever, I think it's a big deal. So it's very, very cool. Um, uh, I'm anything that can make my, so I don't have to call somebody. <laughs> so I don't have to talk to a human or a robot. I think it's great that I can just do it all yeah. in the app. So very, very cool. So some more stuff that's happening. Remember I mentioned, I love stats. Well, uh, YouTube <laughs> is doing that some more there. YouTube is adding some more new insights into its creator studio dashboard. So and it's also adding a, a new display along with the stories analysis in its mobile app. So a new video and, and uh, analysis uh, overview layout, which will be soon resemble the channel analytics format. So if you're familiar with the channel analytics format, it's going to look like this. It's going to include new real-time performance indicator section on the right of your screen. And they've also updated its channel recommendation uh, highlight notes above the main chart on the screen. So they've said we're improving our analytics, I can't even say today, to detect reasons why your video could be over or underperforming. So that's really good. So a lot of YouTubers have noticed there have been seeing a uh, CPM decline. And so this will help them actually figure out a way to kind of maximize their content, get the most out of their efforts. And also it helps YouTube with some of their transparency issues. So very, very cool. Um, it's including also this new revenue per mile metric which it allows uh, creators to see how much they'll earn per 1,000 views of their videos, which I think is really great because a lot of people, when they're first starting, that's really important when they when they hit that. So uh, anything that gives us more stats is great, in my opinion. So stories. I talked about stories a little bit. They're actually adding some new analytics to that as well. So if you're confused about stories, don't feel bad. I was too. I'm like, what is this? What is this? Um so Stories feature is in beta right now, and it's available to all eligible channels with, get this, over 10,000 subscribers. So that's why I haven't seen it. And it may actually take eight weeks for Stories to show up. Uh, so you may not even get Stories like till eight weeks after you hit that 10,000 subscribers. So that's what they're talking about. I haven't seen many Stories. They say it's growing. It'll be interested to see if YouTube can get on the stories bandwagon, but they're also adding some more stats for that. So very, very interesting. Um, like I said, any stats is a good thing for me. 
<laughs> for all you data nerds out there, here right. you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and if you uh, want to get all the details on this, the, um, I don't know if you're aware, but like YouTube has a creator insider uh, channel. Right. So that's where they share a lot of these, uh, like for, for people that are creating their own videos mm-hmm. for you publishing on YouTube, it's a good resource. And I'd like to know for you guys watching and listening, let us know, have you found stories? I mean, I don't even remember looking at one. And I follow some, you know, pretty big YouTubers, but I, I have not seen them yet. And is that something, would you use stories on YouTube or would you, is that something that should be over on Instagram? I mean, I don't know. I think we're getting storified to death. Maybe, maybe it's just me. (laughs) Too many stories. Well, yeah, well, they, I mean, YouTube did say that the feature's still in beta. So I don't know that it's like fully completely rolled out or even integrated. And I don't even know, like, is, do you, would you see these in the mobile app, Jeff? Or would you, because I don't see them on desktop, which is where I engage with YouTube the most. I have not seen them in uh, the mobile app either, but they say it's growing. And so that was confusing. Like it's growing, but it's in beta. So I was like, I'm not really sure what's going on. So anyway, uh, (laughs) But it's it's rolling out. So as I think as more people, you know, start using it and if it's a feature that people really, really use, then it makes sense. I like I like Haley. Uh, Haley's comment here says YouTube stories like Insta and Facebook. I don't get it. It's already a video channel. Right, exactly. Haley. Yeah. Same. It's like, I, I mean, it's, it's another thing to click on. I totally get it. Now, I might watch like somebody I really, really like and see their stories. But if I'm if I'm following a specific like I'm following Grace, I think, you know, I'm watching all her videos on YouTube. I'm probably going to follow her on Instagram as well because I know that that's where she'll post her stories. And so I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's something that I would use, but hey, we'll see. I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong. Well, I mean, we'll see how it rolls out. Well, and that's not all. There's more YouTube. So this is more of a user feature that they, YouTube decided to stop sending email alerts for subscribers uh, to their favorite channels, effective yesterday, August 13th. Right. So YouTube was going to said that they were going to stop alerting subscribers by email about the new uploads, live streams, premieres from their favorite channels. The rationale was less than 0.1% of these emails were opened. The messages messages such as, you know, accounts, mandatory service announcements, et cetera, they're going to continue emailing you about those. So if you have a channel, don't worry, you will still be getting all of your service emails. This is more just for the people subscribing to your channel. Uh, Google says that people have told us that these emails continue to contribute to their inbox overload. And I think we're all (laughs) suffering from inbox notification overload, but they are still going to send uh, notifications to the mobile app. So you will still be alerted when you're, but I personally am suffering from notification overload, right? Right. And Jeff and I, you and I were talking about this as we were preparing for the show, but when I see an email from YouTube that, you know, social media examiner has a new video up, like, I know where YouTube is, right? Like, right. I don't have to open the email, but now I know, right? And so I will just go to YouTube and find Social Media Examiner's latest video, right? So I don't know. Like, trust me, Google is is the king, the queen of data. So they know, I, I trust. They know. <laughs> but they don't know that I. So I'm the same way. Like, uh, when Social Media Examiner comes out with a new video over on their YouTube channel, it comes up because I, you know, I have the bell 
turned on and I have, you know, subscribe, all that stuff. But I don't, um, you know, I'm not always on YouTube. I don't always have it like going and minimized. So I get those emails and then I go over and look. It's like, you know, like you said, it's a notification thing. I never click on the email. Um, it's same way with Twitch. I have some Twitch um, crafters that I follow over in there. And um, I get, I see the emails come through and I'm like, oh, they're live. Maybe I'm going to try to get up get and see them, uh, just see them live. But um, I just don't click on it. So as a creator, if I was a creator, a big time, this would bother me that I don't have yeah. another place to notify my subscribers. Um, if you're a creator, does that, I mean, does that bother you? I mean, is that like, are you lamenting the loss of email alerts? Because anytime they take a notification, because everybody's wanting you to, you know, you're, you want your people to, you know, come consume your content over on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, I understand that people don't like spam, but also if you signed up to get the emails, that's kind of like, it's not really spam. It's, I wanted to get these emails. That's why I signed up. So right. anyway, that's well, my opinion. Well, I think opinion. that if you're, you know, if you own a channel or your brand owns a channel, then we're simply alerting you so that you have another way to contact your subscribers right. and try to get other people to subscribe as well. So I, we got some comments over here by, um, but when we were talking about YouTube stories and people have seen them, um, people have seen them over on YouTube. And this was a good point that stories on YouTube are very good teasers to get people. So maybe, you know, the emails going away. Stories could be a way to, you know, engage uh, people to come watch more of your content on YouTube. So thank you guys for those comments. And uh, Carla says over from LinkedIn, she goes, good to have the option to get alert if you're waiting for it. For those of us who only follow a few YouTube channels, it does it. it but it does bother her as a creator. So yeah. Um, right, right. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's interesting. They're doing that. And right on the heels of that little bit of controversy, there's a little bit more controversy on uh, YouTube. So YouTube has just removed uh, the community caption translation feature. So what is that? So YouTube is nixing its community co contributions feature, which made it possible for users to help creators by translating video titles, descriptions, closed captions, and subtitles. So that's creators doing that for the channel that they're watching. So uh, an announcement on the Google support forums, a company spokesperson said the feature failed to generate enough traction and was often used for nefarious reasons. So one of the YouTubers, JT, whose channel had over uh, 550,000 uh, subscribers, highlighted the downside of the community captions feature last year, showing how uh, viewers were actually adding abusive comments to videos by popular creators. So the feature is slated to be discontinued across all channels on September 28th, and YouTube says it will, quote, focus on other creator tools. So there has been some pushback from the accessibility community. So deaf and hard of hearing creators say removing the community captions feature will stifle uh, accessibility, and they want to see their company try to fix the issue with volunteer-created captions rather than doing away with them because they have said that the deaf and hard of hearing community said that it was an accessibility tool that not only allowed deaf and hard of hearing people to watch videos with captions, but allowed creators who could not afford to financially invest in captions. Because if you get like a professional caption done and not an AI one, uh, but like, you know, a, a big company that actually has a person who listens to it and transcribes it, it can add up. If you're doing a show a week or even two videos a week, that can add up. And so there has been some significant pushback about this. So, um, 
the other creators have said they relied on the captions not only to better reach deaf and hard of hearing viewers, but to help translate their videos into other languages. So what would happen? They put a video out and then their community uh, from that, you know, who were who could speak both languages, they would, you know, put captions on for their native language and it would help the creator out. So that's not going to be an option anymore as well. So this actually has a petition going right now, calling on Google to reverse this decision and has, has garnered already, uh, I think as of yesterday, half a million signatures to roll this back. So yeah, it's kind of a, it's, it's really interesting. This is in the news. I can see, I hate trolls and spammers on YouTube just as much as anybody, but man, this seems like it's a really, for the, the deaf and the hard of hearing community, this is a big blow to them. So I understand why they're upset. So very interesting stuff going on right now in, on YouTube. Well, YouTube did say that it would provide creators who have, right. oh, well, let me say that. They said that the feature was rarely used by less than 0.001% of channels, right? Killing us with all these hard facts and stats, YouTube, right? They are going to provide creators who have used this, relied on this community contribution feature in three videos within the last 60 days, they're going to give them free six month subscription to a subtitling service called Amara. So these are elig all eligible creators will be notified within the coming weeks. And even creators didn't qualify for the deal. You can still use Amara's tools, which include free subtitle editor, according to YouTube. So that's something that's a service that they are promoting. Right. So if you have used this, if you have relied on this feature, do try to get in touch and get six months of the subscription sidling service. Because, I mean, even though it was the accessibility community that was, you know, uh, pushed yeah, back right. on this, right? I use captions all the time. In fact, I get very frustrated that when I'm watching a video on Facebook and I just want to watch the captions because I don't hear everything right. all the time or I'm in a busy place and are I want to... Or you're in church or something and you're not paying attention. Yeah, and I really so, yeah. watching football, right? Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's great. I, I'm hoping, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, free six months... That's, that's, I think that's a great concession, but you have to be using it. And if you're coming on now, it's too late. And there's other people who, you know, want to start a channel. So my, hopefully during these, this six months time, they're going to find a solution that can help uh, this, this segment, because I think it's, it's, it's too important to just kind of sweep it under the rug because I know there's new creators coming on that will, would want to do this because, you know, YouTube wants more content. We want to have more content and more diverse uh, out there. And so, um, Hopefully that they'll they'll come up with. They did say they're working on some other tools for creators, so maybe that will be covered in a, a new update. So, very very interesting. So, now onto our Twitter news. So we kind of teased this. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, Madeline Scalar, our resident Twitter expert, about the new Twitter API it was uh, was coming, and it's you know should developers even trust this because they took it away, uh, you know, back in the day and that, you know, broke a lot of tools that a lot of us marketers used. So uh, the update is the new improved Twitter API officially rolled out. Uh, it was supposed to roll out last month uh, and officially launched this week, though, with additional details from Twitter. So previously, when we talked about it with Madeline, at the tail end of the massive security breach is why they stopped the rollout because it's like, uh, let's wait a little bit and we'll talk about this later. 
So the newly rebuilt API, Twitter will be able to hold support for uh, other newer features such as voice tweets and the ability to hide replies more easily and consistently. Twitter developers said they're listening to feedback to make the API more scalable and flexible to apps like TweetDelete and TweetBot. Notable changes include a new foundation, multiple access levels, and product tracks. The new API actually includes three access levels. They have basic, which is free, elevated and custom. So before it was separated into three different platforms, which ha- made you know developers have to mess and switch around all their APIs as the product grew. Now it won't have to do that with this new system, What is what it said in the blog post. But most developers are going to only need the standard track so that you, if you're, you know, if you're a developer, if you're just getting started, that's what you can use. Building something for fun, for a good cause, or to learn and teach, that's what the basic track is uh, mostly for. And they're also going to have an academic research and business track as well. So, finally, but will developers trust them? That has yet to be seen. We would hate to develop something and go, oh, second, we're not going to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think it's really insightful that they created these different tracks, one for academic research, business tracks. I know that I have really refined lists in Twitter. That's how I use Twitter is I use these lists and I follow a lot of like journalists. I follow a lot of academics. I follow, there's a whole thing about, there's, I have a whole feed of just comedians if I just need to like screw up. Uh, So I think having these individual tracks is very insightful. But uh, Twitter also uh, rolled on a new, well, so uh, we talked about this uh, back in January. It was at CES that Twitter uh, first announced this. And at the time, it was just testing it. But now Twitter is now letting everyone limit replies to their tweets. So before you tweet, you can choose who can reply to your tweets with three options. Everyone, which is the standard Twitter, mm-hmm. right? And it's default setting. Only the people that you follow, so the people you follow, can reply to you. Uh, and then, or you can talk about, uh, or only limited to people who you mention. So we are calling this a panel feature, right? So if you're having, so if we're doing an interview of the CEO of Twitter, why are you rolling this out this way, right? right? We have a panel discussion and we could limit it to just you being Dorsey, right? So while this was being tested, there was actually a fourth option that allowed no one to respond. They called that statement. But uh, <laughs> that option was not initially rolled out. So uh, tweets with the latter two settings. So again, that's limiting those are the people you follow or only the people you mention. Uh, that reply icon will be grayed out so people cannot directly reply to you. But loophole, people can't reply, but they can still retweet and retweet with a comment and they can share and they can also like your tweet. So they may not be talking directly to you. They'll just be talking about you. Next. Yeah, behind your back on the other thread. Yeah. So we had a really cool conversation with Madeline about this back in January. She said she was excited since she saw it as helping people who have issues with trolls, right? And this gives Twitter users more control over who could be part of the conversation. So for example, again, like an interview of a high profile person who was being interviewed by a group of people, I believe that the week that we announced this or we talked about it on the show, Jack Dorsey had just been interviewed on Twitter by a group and that conversation just completely went off the rails because everyone was commenting and you couldn't get to the conversation. So this allows you to have more streamlined conversation. Uh, we also talked about this usefulness for Twitter chats, right? So if you right. are wanting to have a very 
you know, a, a Twitter chat for your own brand, right? So, of, of course, many brands do, and you would just want to limit it to the people and have that conversation and have it be out there in a more of a performative way as opposed to dialogue with everyone is good. This will also be helpful for brands who want to engage with the public, but, you know, this is a time and place, there's a time and place for this. And, you know, people will, of course, brands may want to use it, of course, as a way to just make announcements. Uh, She did suggest at the time that people run tests and see what makes sense, what works better for your brand experience. So everyone has access to these settings on Twitter. You can find them on iOS and Android and as well as on twitter.com on the desktop. So, and if you want to see photos of what this looks like, go to blog.twitter.com. That's the official Twitter blog. And you can see photos of exactly how, what this looks like and how it will work. So what do you think, Grace? Would you, are you, you probably use Twitter more than I do. Will you use any of these features or you use Twitter kind of like you were doing it? You know, I think back in the day when I used to host Twitter chats and stuff, mm-hmm. I would have definitely have used this. I think definitely for your followers. Um, I think there's an advantage to get people to follow you, right? right. To participate in these exclusive conversations. Um, again, I think it's a time and a place. Twitter, I think it has its pluses and minuses. Right. That it's definitely it's, a good way to It's just comment. weird that, you know, they kind of do have that loophole where you can retweet with comment or retweet the thing. And so I guess you won't see them in the comment thread, but. Mm-hmm. They could still be, like you said, talking about you behind your back. I, now, I will say I, I'm really interested to see somehow the the Twitter chats will use this because sometimes it is like drinking from a fire hose when you go to some of these really popular Twitter chats. And sometimes I really don't care what the, the masses say. I want to know what that expert is saying and not you know have to go through all that jumble of stuff. So that to me would be interesting because even when they say, OK, put, you know, put answer but A, by your response, everybody answers it. And I'm like, I don't care about you. I want to know what, you know, Dorsey, I want to know what great stuff he has to think about this, you know? So I think it'll be interesting how this works. I think it'll depending on the size of the chat, of course, and all that things. But um, it's, it's, it's interesting, the innovation now that is coming out of Twitter. So very, very cool news. Uh, we Once again, you can go back and listen to that episode with Madeline. Just go search for it in you know your favorite podcast player and, and find that. So speaking of this podcast, we have a podcast. Don't forget on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, we have new episodes publishing every Saturday. We would love for you guys to leave us a review. It helps get the word out there and let us, you know, other people discover our show. So if you could do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, uh, every Saturday, new stuff coming out. And if you're kind of like, I you know, I always forget about the show, you can find out when and where we'll be talking about it on our weekly show calendar. You can find that at www.socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. That's socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. We can't wait to see you at your next show. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today with some of this, these roundup news posts that I think were pretty interesting and, and uh, kind of revealing of where things are going out in the social space. Yep. Thank you, Jeff, for being an excellent host, as always. And thank you to our lovely audience playing the home game with us. Uh, we love having you here and we love having your questions and your comments. We do this for you. So we are thrilled you are here to join us and hopefully you'll join us again next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. 
Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.